0: What's up, Trace? Can we just give it up for Big Chris there? That I could watch that video all day long. Yeah. So grateful to have him here. Uh, but wanna say welcome to any of you that are joining us for the very first time here at Trace, whether you got invited by a friend or a family member, maybe you got, uh, you maybe you saw our street signs uh, driving down the road, or maybe you were looking online and you googled churches in the area and you decided to show up today. Whatever the case, thank you so much for being here. We're really glad that you're here today. Uh, also, just want to say welcome to any of you guys joining us online this morning. Uh, whether you're driving to work, whether you're watching from home, whatever the case, uh, we would love for you to join us here in person. But for whatever reason that you're home today, we're glad that you're a part of the conversation. Uh, My name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here at Trace. And before we dive into the sermon, I actually wanna celebrate something uh, with you guys that uh, as a church, we've always said, we wanna be intentional with the men that come here to Trace, that we wanna help every man that attends Trace become a better husband, a better father, a better leader in whatever context it is that they lead in. And over the last six weeks, we've gotten to do just that, uh, that on Tuesday mornings, we've had right around 60, 75 guys that have been showing up here at 6.30 a.m. to learn what it means to be a man of responsibility, uh, to take action in their life, to seek accountability in their life, to add adventure to the margin uh, of their lives. And so I just wanna celebrate Ryan Clark for a second. He leads our men's ministry and everything that he's been able to do. Um, Really grateful for him and really grateful for what God's been doing in our men's ministry. But if you're interested in that or if you're interested in getting on that team and being a part of that, please just come find me out in the lobby. I'd love to connect you uh, with that. But today we are kicking off a brand new series called Mantras. And the vision behind this series is pretty simple, that as a church we want to be defined by a lot of different things. uh, But there are a few statements that we have as a leadership uh, that we want our entire church to rally around. And these aren't just statements that we throw on a wall. These aren't just statements that you're gonna hear us talk about. That we really do, we want these statements to permeate every ounce of culture that we have here at Trace. Uh, That we do believe that language is just that. It's just portable culture. And so as a leadership team, we've spent a lot of time praying, a lot of time processing uh, through what these statements should be. And we are dedicated to making these statements a reality in our church. And um, as a staff, over the last couple of weeks. We've been reading through the book of Genesis together in the mornings, and Pastor Aaron brought something up that I thought was brilliant, and so I wanted to share that with you guys today. Uh, But we were reading through Genesis chapter 11, and in Genesis chapter 11, uh, mankind has been created, and they start rallying together. They start uniting for the wrong reasons. And so this is what happens in Genesis chapter 11. It says, then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the this guy Uh, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered over the world but then God he sees this and he sees the selfishness in their hearts and so he says this he says but the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower and people were building and he said look he said The people are united and they are all speaking the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. And so then God says, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. And that's exactly what God does, that he sees these people. And here we have these people who are unified for the wrong reasons. They're trying to make a name for themselves. And God says, when they speak the same language, there's nothing that they can't do. And Pastor Aaron, he said, flip that on its head. That when we're united for the right reasons, that when we're trying to make a name not for ourselves, but for Jesus, that when we speak the same language, when we use the same mantras, guys, we truly believe this. There's nothing that will be impossible for us, there's nothing that we can't do. And so, for that reason, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the language we speak here at Trace. Specifically, we're gonna be looking at four uh, of these statements that we call mantras, and we're gonna talk about how uh, we can use these better to make sure that we're leaving a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And so you'll see these statements all over the place. You'll see them on the walls out there. You'll hear us talk about them, but there are these four statements right here. The first one is we wanna extend hope when life hurts. Uh, that's, that's what we're gonna be talking about today, but also we wanna elevate truth and grace. We don't just want a balance of either. We want the fullness of both in what we do. But then the next one is we wanna empower everyone. There are no caveats in that everyone statement. Empower everyone to share the gospel, that everybody has influence, and we want them to leverage that for the kingdom. And then finally, we wanna embrace those that are far from God. But today, we wanna start with this first one. We wanna talk about this first one. How do we extend hope when life hurts, and to do that, I just want to ask three really simple questions today, uh, three questions surrounding this. And the first question is why? Why should we extend hope when life hurts? Uh, but then, after talking about that, we want to talk about what does that actually look like? What kind of hope are we extending to people? And then finally, let's get practical. Let's talk about how can we do this effectively? So we're going to dive in. We're going to start with that first question: Why should we extend hope? when life hurts, and uh, to answer that, this may be a little bit redundant, Uh, this may be a little bit oversimplified, but why should we extend hope to other people? Uh, The reason we should do that is because for so many people, life really does hurt. Uh, life hurts a lot, and for uh, different people and different pain, there's a scale to that. Like, uh, hurt doesn't all look the same, right? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving down the street with one of my friends, uh, riding in the car with him, and he hit a bump in the road, and in that moment, his phone, it slid off his lap, and went into the abyss between the chair and the center console. Like life, it hurts. You guys know what that's like. You know what it's like to reach down there and try to find your phone and you're feeling around and you're like, this space was made for like a toddler-sized hand. And so you're scratching your hand up and you finally get your phone and you're about to pull it back out and then it drops back down and you're like, you know what, it's just gonna stay there. We're just gonna get a new phone. And I think a fun social experiment would be to see what has been left under people's uh, chairs in their car. I think that would be pretty fun. But Life hurts sometimes, doesn't it? Or in my context, I work with students a lot. And the amount of high school students that I work with, uh, specifically high school dudes uh, that are dating these girls that I'm sorry are just out of their league, uh, only to get you know broken up with after a couple weeks or a couple months, and they're sitting across the table and they're just like wrecked, like they're ruined. And they're confused, they're like, why would she break up to me, with me? And I'm over here like, why did she get together with you? Like, I- I'm sorry, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> But life hurts sometimes, doesn't it? And while those are silly examples, right, sometimes it's not so silly. Uh, sometimes it's extremely serious. That for so many of us, we know what it feels like to be hurting. We know what it feels like to have our life hurt. That in 2019, Americans spent $225 billion, billion dollars—billion with b treating mental health problems in their life. That's crazy. This year alone, 23 million miscarriages will occur worldwide. Last year, our city here saw more homicides than ever before in history. In Colorado Springs, suicide has risen to the greatest uh, cause of death among teenagers, more than car crashes, more than drug overdose, even more than violent crimes. This year alone, 750,000 families will be casualties of divorce. And since I've been talking this morning, more than 10 women have become victims of sexual abuse. And listen, I could go on all day long. But the point I'm trying to make is that right now, in this moment, in this room even, life is hurting. And those statistics aren't just something that we can share on a Sunday morning in a sermon. Those aren't just numbers to be shared, but every single one of those numbers has a name. And every single one of those names has a story, and every single one of those stories, they matter to God, and because they matter to God, they're worthy of extending hope to. And because they matter to God, they should matter to us. And that's exactly why Paul, he shares this in Galatians chapter two, or six, verse two, he says, share each other's burdens. And it's in this way, that it's when we extend hope when life hurts, it's in this way that we obey the law of Christ. And so we extend hope not just when life hurts. Listen, we extend hope because for so many people, life hurts. That many of you, you walked into this room today with some aspect of your life hurting, carrying something on your shoulder, some burden that you walked in this room with. And if it's not you, chances are it's the person sitting next to you. That so many people are desperate to find hope in this world. And as we just read, they're willing to spend over $200 billion in pursuit of that hope. That the demand is extremely high and the supply seems nowhere to be found. And because that's the case as a church, we wanna step into that gap. That we wanna attack some of those statistics. That we know we can't change how much life hurts for people, but we can change how people respond to it. And so once again, why do we extend hope to people? Because for a lot of people, in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different seasons of life, their life is hurting. And so now that we've talked about why we should extend hope when life hurts, let's look at what. What does this phrase actually mean? Especially in our context here as a church, like what kind of hope are we really extending to people? Because the truth is, if we're being honest with ourselves, we like to put our hope in a lot of different things, don't we? And for some of us, we put our hope in our relationships that we love to put our hope in those and we put a lot of stock in our relationships. That whether it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a parent, a friend, we can often lean so heavily on other people that the moment um, they step out of our lives, the moment things start to get shaky, the moment things start to get unstable, the moment they can no longer support us in life, what happens? We fall flat on our faces. And we find ourselves in this place where we're without hope, where our life, it does hurt and we're disappointed. But maybe if it's not your relationships, maybe it's your finances, that you are constantly chasing just another digit in your bank account, that you think if you can just get one more zero at the end of your bank account, then maybe you'll have the safety you desire. Maybe you'll have the security that you want, that you can fight past the tension in your marriage, can't you? You can fight past the emotional turmoil you experience in your life. You can fight past the fact that you might be neglecting your kids a little bit because after all, you are providing for them. They just don't understand that. And you want to retire as soon as you can, way before 65, so that you can try to make up that time, right? But the problem is whenever you put your hope in finances, it doesn't always work out that way. That you're hoping and you're wishing upon a prayer that your finances will make things better, but they won't. That Listen, rich people still go to counseling. Rich people still struggle relationally. Putting your hope in your money won't solve your problems. Most of the time, it will multiply them. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not your relationships. Maybe it's not your finances. Maybe if you're anything like me, it's your future. That if I'm being transparent with you this morning, that that's the number one thing I put my hope in that I think if I can just make the sacrifices now, that if I can just put in the work now, if I can make the tough decisions now, that if I can sacrifice time now, then maybe someday, hopefully someday, all of those sacrifices will be worth it. But what if they're not? Like what if I spend my entire life chasing after this future I desire only to forfeit my soul in the process? only to forfeit my livelihood, only to forfeit my relationships, is it really worth it? So when we say, you know, we want to extend hope to people when life hurts, what kind of hope are we talking about? see, I shared this verse a couple of weeks ago um, because I think Paul, he sums that an- the answer to that question up the best. When he talks about the hope that we have as followers of Jesus, and we say we need to be reminded far more than we need to be taught, and so I'm gonna share this verse with you again. It's found in Romans chapter five. It says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens, I love this phrase, our confident hope. Anybody wanna be confident in the hope they have? Our confident hope of salvation. And listen, this hope will not lead to disappointment. Now, when I think about the times I've put my hope in my relationships, when I think about the times I've put my hope in my finances, when I think about the times I've put my hope in my future, every single time without fail, guys, I've always ended up disappointed. Why? Because it's the wrong hope. It's the wrong kind of hope. That Paul, in this verse, he's saying there is one hope, just one hope, that will not lead to disappointment. And it is the hope of Jesus Christ. That listen, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things that separates Christianity and following Jesus apart from any other religion or world philosophy is this right here. That I promise I'm not trying to be disrespectful this morning, but if you wanna put your hope in other places, you can, you can. You can put your hope in Buddha if you want. You can put your hope in Muhammad, you can put your hope in Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris or any number of yogis that you can find in the Colorado Springs area, but at the end of the day, listen. If they're not in a grave yet, in the next 50 years they're either gonna be dead or irrelevant and I'm just telling you that when that happens, your hope will die with them. That Jesus Christ is the only one who claimed victory over death, giving everyone a lasting hope that by all means, you can place your hope in any number of those people. But I promise you, and I'm saying this strongly on purpose, I promise you, you will end up disappointed that it is only by placing your hope in Jesus that you can experience lasting hope in your life. That once again, Jesus was the one who went to a cross and he experienced uh, the torture uh, on the cross. He experienced the emotional ridicule. He experienced the consequences for your sin and my sin. And he died on a cross that day and he went to a grave and he came out of that grave three days later very much so alive so that we might be able to experience hope even amidst the hurt that we have. And so when we say as a church, we wanna extend hope when life hurts. Guys, we're not talking about any kind of temporary hope. We're not talking about any kind of counterfeit hope this morning. We are talking about the lasting and everlasting hope that can only be found in the person of Jesus because we believe Jesus is the only one that can save anyone, and so we wanna get everyone in a relationship with him. Listen, now that we've talked about why we should extend hope when life hurts, now that we've talked about what kind of hope we're extending to people, I wanna get really practical this morning. How do we do this effectively? How do we extend hope uh, when life hurts effectively? And so to talk about that, if you don't mind, I I wanna give you a little bit of a confession here. Um, That as a person, uh, I often, and when I say often, I mean like on a daily basis, I often find myself saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Anybody else can relate, okay? Um, Proverbs 15, 23, it says this, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. And I would agree with that. I just haven't experienced that a whole lot. Um, but the verse, the verse that I would say is also true is this one right here. Everyone hates a reply that was not thought out. How awful it is to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Second Hesitations three, one. That's like my favorite book. And once again, this isn't in the Bible. Um, but I think it should be. I think it should be. <laughs> And the reason is because I need a reminder like this almost on a daily basis. Uh, For instance, a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I, Jessica, we'd just gotten married and it was our first Christmas together and a lot was changing in our lives. Uh, We were about to move up to Indiana. We just finished college. Like I said, we just got married and uh, it was our first Christmas together and I just wanted this to be a good Christmas. And so I thought, you know, what can I get my wife? And I was like, well, we're gonna be moving up to Indiana. Indiana is a lot colder than Texas is. I'm going to get her a really nice coat. Uh, She doesn't have one. I think it would be a good idea to get her a really nice coat. And so uh, I thought I can get her a pretty average coat, but she deserves better than that. So went to work, started researching all these different coats. Long story short, uh, landed on this one and used my wife's discount that she got at a store to buy this coat, this really nice North Face coat. And I thought, awesome, she's going to love this thing. Like it's lightweight but warm. It's functional and fashionable. Uh, you know, all of the reviews about it were great. And so Christmas morning rolls around and everybody's opening presents. Everybody's having a great time. And I'm just so excited to give her this coat, right? And so finally the time rolls around. I give her the box. She rips open the wrapping paper, you know, tears apart the box, pulls the coat out and instantly a smile goes across her face. She loves it. And I'm like, yes. And so now... However, though, this is the first time I'm seeing this coat in person um, because I had ordered it, shipped it to my mom and my mom wrapped it so that we wouldn't ruin the surprise. And so I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking like, it kind of looks different than the pictures. Um, that the pictures I remembered looked a little bit more matte black. They looked a little bit more muted black color. And this thing had a little bit of gloss to it. Like it was a little bit shinier than I thought it would be. Um, and so I'm thinking, who cares? Like she loves it. It's not a big deal. Maybe it's just the lighting. And so I ask her, hey, will you try this coat on? And she's like, yeah, of course. And so she's trying it on. She's showing it off to my mom. She's showing it off to the sister-in-laws. And like she is thrilled with it but I just can't get over how shiny this thing is. And so, without thinking, uh, I blurt out in front of my whole family, uh, I say, well, it kinda just looks like a giant black trash bag, doesn't it? And (laughs) once again, how awful it is to say the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? Um, And why tell you that story? One, because if you wear a jacket and you wanna know how it really looks like, come find me, I'm your guy. Uh, But two, Because I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this, that we all have a tendency to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And while sometimes it can be pretty funny, and then we can laugh about it later, sometimes if we're not careful, we can do a lot of damage, especially to people who are already hurting. And so how do we do this well? How do we make sure we're actually extending hope and not just adding to the hurt? Let's talk about that. Uh, I, th- I would say if we wanna do this effectively, it takes two things. And the first one is that we gotta be available. But then the second one is we gotta be intentional. And so first, be available. What does that look like? I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like solving everybody's problems for them. It is not coming in and rescuing them from their suffering or trying to protect them from any future hardship. That over the years, what I've learned about availability is that most people, not all people, but most people, Most people uh, don't want you to fix their problems. Most people just want someone else to sit in their problems with them. And I think as people, we can oftentimes overcomplicate this step. And we can think, oh yeah, availability, and we start going through the what if game. Like, what if they need me to make some meals for them? It's like, well, what if they have allergies and I make a meal for them and it's not good and I actually make things worse in that moment. Or what if they need me to watch their kids and our kids don't get along and their kids are a bad influence on my kid or my kid is a bad influence uh, on their kid or what if they ask me to do something and I don't have the resources or the time or what if they ask me a question and I don't have the answer. What if I say something? What if I just make it worse and it's like slow down, slow down. While those things can be real concerns in my experience, people don't need you to say the right thing. People don't need you to do the right thing. Oftentimes they don't need you to say anything at all. They just need you to be there. Yet oftentimes that is not what happens. That sometimes as people we translate availability and we translate it to mandatory therapy. And we think like people need us. And when I say us, like most of whom who have never been trained to help people work through their problems, myself included. But we think people need us to step into the situation and say exactly the right thing to pull them out of their pain. And listen, some of the worst people at this are people like you and people like me, people in this room who would claim they're followers of Jesus. That out of this motivation to help people, we do say the wrong things. That we often, we Jesus-juke people and they invite us into their pain, they invite us into their problems and we say something like this, hey, thanks for sharing that, but you know what the Bible says about that? Like, like the Bible says don't be anxious about anything, you should pray about everything, have you tried that? And to that, people of course are like, oh my gosh, no. Thank you so much for saying that because I was super anxious and then you told me not to be anxious and so now I'm not anxious anymore. And it's like, no, that never happens. Or we use these like Christian cat poster phrases where we say, like somebody shares something really big in their life and we say something like, oh, God's always in control. And then we walk away and it's like, what? Or, or we say something like, hey, everything happens for a reason. Or we quote Kelly Clarkson and we're like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's like, really? Like half of those things aren't even true. But do you realize how much damage gets done whenever we use phrases like that when people are hurting? No, sometimes the best way for you to be available, the best way for me to be available, is to step up and shut up. To just sit and listen to somebody. I had a professor in college that would use this phrase all the time and it's come in handy many times in my life. And he would say, sometimes there's nothing to say. In those moments, just listen and pray. Sometimes there's nothing to say. In those moments, just listen and pray. And guys, the amount of times that phrase has come in handy in my life is too many to count. And the amount of pressure that comes off my shoulders when I hear phrases like that is astronomical because anybody can do that. Anybody can sit and listen with someone. Anybody can sit and pray for someone else. But then there are times where we do need to be available to say something. We do need to be available to speak into somebody's life. And over the years I've learned uh, to use just three phrases that I keep in my tool belt at all times, but I promise these three phrases have helped me more than anything else. I'm gonna share these things with you and I would encourage you to write these down. Uh, Husbands especially, write these things down. Uh, They may just save your marriage. But these three phrases, they're not gonna blow your mind. But the first one is this. Wow, that's really difficult. That's really difficult. And a phrase like this, it shows empathy. It shows I'm feeling sorry with someone. But then the next phrase is, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That phrase shows sympathy. It shows you're feeling sorry for someone. And then the last phrase, whenever it's appropriate, it's this phrase right here. I love you, I love you and that it reassures someone of their belonging, even with their pain, even with their hurt. And so it sounds something like this. Wow, that's really difficult. I'm so sorry that happened to you, but I just want you to know we love you. Guys, the amount of hope and healing that can be extended from just those three simple phrase, phrases, it's priceless, it's priceless. And so if we wanna extend hope when life hurts, the first thing we gotta do is be available. But the second thing we gotta do is be intentional. Be intentional. And so it's said that the most consistent essence of tragedy is that it's unexpected. Uh, Meaning that when tragedy strikes, you often don't get time to prepare. And I share this sentiment with our student team all the time that when a student is ready to share something or when a person is ready to share something and they just spill their guts to you, in that moment what you don't get to do is you don't get to be like, hey, thanks so much for sharing that. I'm gonna take like 30 minutes to an hour, I'm gonna go research everything you just told me, I'm gonna come back with a PowerPoint presentation, you're gonna love it, it's gonna be great, I'm gonna to respond to exactly what you need. Like you don't get to do that. That oftentimes if you're not prepared in those moments, uh, if you're not prepared for those moments, you're gonna miss it. And oftentimes we can make it worse in those moments. And so rather than doing that, like be intentional. Have a plan, be prepared in advance. Maybe for you what that looks like is creating a little bit more margin in your life. That right now, if every night of your week is booked up, you're probably not gonna be able to be available. You're not gonna be ready to extend hope when life hurts. Or maybe it's in your budget. If there's no money to help other people out, it's not gonna happen. And so start with $100, start with $50, start with a lasagna in your freezer that is dedicated to giving to people when their lives are hurting. It can be that simple. Or maybe for some of us, like we just need to sit down and pray, God, give us the right opportunities. Let us cross paths with the right people so that we can extend hope when life hurts effectively. I don't know what it looks like for you, but maybe you need to be intentional about making a plan. Because once again, we don't get time to prepare. We don't get time to plan whenever tragedy strikes. And so that's exactly why here at Trace, uh, we've been very intentional about creating a CARES team here that we know we don't get time to prepare as well. That if we wanna be a church that extends hope when life hurts, then we need to be intentional about that. And so internally here at Trace, every single group, every single team that exists here at Trace, each of them have a team member on their team that is designated uh, to helping us uh, create this culture where we are caring and supporting other people. And sometimes it's making meals for an entire week. Other times it's simply sitting down and writing a letter to someone to let them know that someone else in this world is thinking about them. Guys, you would be surprised how little effort on your part can make a monumental impact in the life of someone else. But then externally as well, we don't just want that to be true here of Trace, we want that to be true of the people uh, of Trace. We're also partnered with several nonprofits here in the city uh, that we wanna take care of them as they're taking care of our community. That we've said from the very beginning of this church, we don't just wanna be a church in this city, we wanna be a church that is for this city, and that includes the people of this city. But even as I'm saying all of this, like it can't just be us as a corporate C church, it can't just be Trace Church. That Guys, there are way too many people whose lives are hurting in the city of Colorado Springs. And the only way we are going to effectively uh, extend hope to them is if we all come together and we be intentional and we put a plan in place so that we can extend hope when people's lives hurt. And so really quickly to review, why do we do this? We don't extend hope just when life hurts. We extend hope because for so many people, life does hurt. And we're not just extending the kind of hope that's temporary, we're not just extending the kind of hope that's counterfeit, we're extending the kind of lasting and everlasting hope that can only come from the person of Jesus Christ. And how we do this well, first we be available, and second we learn to be intentional. At church we do believe this, that when we all speak the same language, there really is nothing that we can't do. And so Trace Church, will you help us be the kind of church? Will you help us be the kind of people that extend hope to others, even when their life is hurting. Let's pray. God, I just want to pray today for this church. And uh, God, I know so many people, their lives are hurting. And that so many of them maybe even walked in this room today with some, some hurt that they need some hope for. And so God, I pray that we would be the kind of church that would search for opportunities to be available. We would be the kind of church uh, that searches for opportunities to be intentional about how we extend hope to others. Um, God, so grateful for your son, so grateful for, for the hope that he's extended to each and every single one of us. God, we love you, and it's in your name we pray, amen.